This is Sarah, and I just want to take a moment to speak to you about this week's sponsor, Favor. Favor Inc. is a statewide family-led nonprofit 501c3 organization that is committed to empowering families as advocates and partners in improving educational and health outcomes for our children. Favor is the Connecticut State Organization of the Federation of Families for Children's Mental Health. Favor offers a single place for families with children who have medical, mental, emotional, and behavioral health challenges to find information, assistance, and training. To find out more about Favor, please go to favor-ct.org. We are grateful for our opportunity to work with Favor as a sponsor, and now on to the rest of the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Caregiver Chronicles. My name is Sarah, and today I have again with me Margot Rose. Margot is the author of the book, Body Aware Grieving, a fitness trainer's guide to caring for your health during sad times, and the host of the podcast, Body Aware Living. Margot has been a personal trainer for over 20 years, and um, I'm very excited to have you back, Margot. Also, I just want to say to my audience really quick before we get too deep into anything, the topic of this episode is suicide and suicide prevention. This is a very personal topic and very heavy topic. So if you have littles around or this might be triggering for someone around you and you need to listen to this episode later or something, you know, something like that, we just want to make sure because this is, this might be a triggering episode, but also a topic Margot and I are both passionate about. Yes, absolutely. And Sarah, thank you that I'm glad we're continuing this talk. People, it's it's just the goal is just helping more of us get through whatever we're really at our maximum. When we think we're at our maximum, how do we how do we get through that? How do we go around that next corner so that we have the ability to, you know, we, we can't we can't the way to get through the way to solve any long term problem is to make it through today safely is is one of my hopes for people. And I, personally, it's also really important to mention that I'm not a therapist. I'm not trying to have anything I say replace any of the personal mental health, physical uh, health services that a person needs. I don't, I don't have the authority for that. So I hope that people, we're going to, we're going to offer options to get the kind of uh, care people need when they're feeling really low. But I personally want to make sure I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to pretend anything. I'm just a person who's been through a lot. And if my personal experience can be useful, then, then so be it. It's an honor to share that. Well, thank you, Margo. Well, first again, and I want to say it again, I want to make sure that this is, this is out there for my audience. First and foremost, I'll probably share a couple of times. Um, 988, if you're struggling, you know, someone who's struggling, need support 988 and is that is that a, that's a phone number or a t- what is 988 can you help that, me understand that you can text or call just like you would call 911 in an emergency um you can call 988 it's a three digit suicide prevention hotline in, mm-hmm. um in the united states right now um you can call or text you can also text home to 741 741 that's the crisis line I reached out to when I was in my moment of crisis. I, mean, I just those wanted... are beautiful resources. And I mean, part of why we knew we wanted to keep talking is because you were really courageous enough and honest enough to say that you'd been that low before you, you know, your function level was high. You were making dinner for the family or meals for the family, but that you were actually 
you know, so low that you were thinking of not continuing. You were, you said you were thinking of taking your own life. And I'll admit that I've been there as well a couple times is as we pick up this second part of the show, can you freshen that up for people who, you know, what are you willing to share about that? Because we might not recognize it in one another when we're out sort of with our little masks on going through our little day and having our little function moments. Um, honestly, I didn't even know I was there till I was there. That's, that's how depressed and burnt out I was. It wasn't until I realized like, I don't like, there's no hope. Like I don't, I don't see anything getting better ever. And there's no hope. And then I wanted to die. And I, and it wasn't the first time in my life I had felt that way. This is just the most recent time that I felt that way. And I realized how intense that feeling was. And I was like, you know what? I I don't know. I just, I was like, I don't even want to be here. Like, what, what is the point? Like, what is the point of me being on this earth? Like, what? I don't know. It was, it wasn't even so much that it was an out. And like, I don't, like, I, it's, oh, it's so hard to explain. And I'm going to get emotional that's okay it wasn't even like it was just like like a out for me like like I just wanted to get out or avoid it was like um it's just not gonna get better so why bother like like why it was just such a deep feeling and it was it was it was it took and you it's a weird it's a weird feeling when you're that close to like acting because you can feel it in your whole body you can feel it from your feet up and I don't know other than stopping to cry I don't really know what made me reach out I just did it was like because I don't know I'm glad I did though I will say that I'm so glad that I did because even though I didn't think in that moment and I couldn't see it it did actually get better yes oh my goodness so few people are willing to (laughs) you know, be aware, know that that's happening. Like when you say you could feel it in your body, just so, you know, each thing, each person's really different, but maybe somebody else might notice a little bit of that in themselves. Like what, what did you, you say you, what did that feel like in your body to be that just sort of distraught? It was almost like a, it was, it was such a weird feeling. It was almost like a tingling, like numb, like heaviness, like, like a, I, I don't know. It was nothing I ever felt before. And I'll never forget the moment because it was just like, it was, I remember it started, I was praying a tree would fall on my head. I was like, I hope this fucking tree falls on my head right now because that would solve. I'm sorry. I just said a bad word. It's forgive me. I hope this tree falls on my head right now because that'll solve my pro. Like that's, that's the only solution. Like, and it's like, and how, like, like I couldn't will it to happen enough. And then I was like, well, I know that logically like the tree is not just going to fall over. So what am I going to do? Like, and then I just sat there and I just thought about my options. And again, I was crying so hard because I don't know why I was crying. I just was. And I even had a moment where I didn't cry. I was like, you know what? Maybe it's not that sad. And that was, that was the moment where I was like, I'm going to just reach out but yeah it was it was a thing it it was like like I said a tangling heavy sensation in my body and I don't know 
Um, Marco, do you mind sharing for you what it felt like when you were at that point? You know, the topic of, of, of suicide and suicide reduction is very uh, personal and important to me. I uh, personally, I have been on the brink of suicide at three different phases of my life when I was 13, when I was 19, and when I was 40 years old. And so even though I'm like, oh, you know, we can do it and fitness trainer, like I know that I need to be extremely careful with my wellness. I know that I can't get down into those lower registers of wellness because when you're down in those lower numbers of wellness, you you are no longer effective at helping yourself. You then you're you, and, and if depression and despondency is 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 involved by then your mind is actually starting to work against you in some ways and you need you need other people and other services to help you but so personally kind of like what you were saying I mean I guess what we can I mean it's when it could be one thing going super super wrong it could be a bunch of things going really wrong at the same time uh, you know, for me, when I was 40 was the closest I ever came to, 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 I'd actually had an action plan and I was actually considering killing myself. And that's just too many things were going on at once. It was a recent breakup, right? When the, I had just quit a job that had ongoing salary and, and supportive, you know, benefits and stuff to go be independent financially as a fitness trainer. And then that's right when my father, who was my favorite person on planet earth was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And then, so I was like, okay, I broke up finances, you know, a shock that my father was sick. Family issues started going really sideways. Um, you know, my stepmother was engineering some exciting things about how he was, you know, supposed to die without a will. I mean, just, just too many things at once were all happening. And, um, you know, so some of the signs that, you know, there was just, you know, waking up crying and then waking up crying when he was sick, just waking up crying day after day and waking up crying. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm in the shower and I'm crying and I, I can't go be a fitness trainer because people don't want a fitness trainer who can't stop crying and wonders why bother. Like, um, so, you know, for me, that was one of the signs where I was like, okay, I need to start calling my friends and my friends knew each other and they called each other. Um, there's an organization that I was, uh, I, I think really highly of it's, it's AFSP. It's the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And they do really, really good work. There's sections on their website american foundation for suicide prevention afsp where you can go if you're the person who's concerned you can there's a segment of assistance if you're concerned about somebody else and there's a segment of assistance if you are recovering from the loss of a suicide which is also something i've been through because my i had a romantic partner die by suicide when i was I was 33 and the week that he and I were about to go move to a different state so I could care for my mother who had cancer. So I was a caregiver for my mother with cancer. And that week that I'm moving, the person I'm supposed to move with dies by suicide. So just things pile up sometimes and things go wrong in inconvenient 
combinations, you know, and then, I mean, not to bogart this whole, you know, not to take over the whole thing, but my, my little sister died by suicide after, like I said, things were really, really lousy around when my father was sick and dying. And then within my sister got sick immediately after my dad passed away and things were such a mess in my family and with how that all went down. And, um, and my sister started feeling really sick with a lot of symptoms physically that we couldn't figure out, but she was also depressed and grieving. So physical illness, grieving, that's why I'm passionate about us figuring out the layers because you can't fix it all. You have to fix it, address it layer by layer. So she was grieving and she started having a bunch of physical ailments and she was depressed perhaps previous to this. And my sister, uh, my little sister took her own life uh, a few days after her 40th birthday. So it's just a lot. So I just care. I'm not trying to take people down into a rabbit hole with me, but I, I know that it's, that that's just, I've, I've come up with some options of how to, I came up with a healing technique I call rungs in a ladder of, of how to add more security to make sure that that doesn't happen again as easily as it nearly did. I mean, yeah. Well, I, I just want to thank you before we get into the rungs in the ladder. I want to thank you for being vulnerable and sharing those experiences because yeah it's hard and I think that this is probably the first time I've ever talked about my experience to that level in depth on my show or on any show um I've I've touched on it but I've never gotten too deep into the story so um thank you for letting me be vulnerable and thank you for being vulnerable um so let's talk more about the rungs on a ladder I, I do want to talk about the rungs in a ladder and I, and, and I can, it's your choice as host. I can, I can offer that next, or I, I still have a curiosity and you can say that's not comfortable or we could edit this out, but you know, I was describing, here's these like five things that were all coming together at once that led to me feeling that low at that time that and I, when you say I you you've been handling a lot of you know you've, you're a nurse through COVID you're a mom you're a daughter you've done caregiving you're a wife you have your children you have your careers you have at, at what point did all those spinning plates what was happening with all those different spinning plates at that moment that you said I am officially despondent and hoping this tree falls on me like is that anything you're you'd be willing to share? It was just it was I'd, I'd be happy to share it. Um, it was again, I was this was 2020. This was the summer of 2020. I was working in healthcare. I was caring for my grandmother. I was watching them decline. I was watching my kids struggle. My oldest son was flipping out on me because I asked him to write two sentences and then I I just, I just couldn't keep up with everything. And it was just, it was just all of the things. And and I'm not going to just pin it on one kid or the, you know what I mean? It wasn't just one thing. That's the thing. It was, it was a combination of things. And also I had struggled again. I had struggled with depression on and off throughout various times of my life. It wasn't like I'd never been depressed before. And all of a sudden decided, you know, I'm tired. Like I don't want to do this anymore. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was like, I'd always struggled depression. And there were times where I was the funniest person in the room because I was using humor as my mask to make all the jokes about everything. So, you know what I mean? 
so everyone could laugh with me and I could laugh with me. And it just, it just, again, it goes back to that whole masking it and not sometimes not even realizing, because again, sometimes we're not even that self-aware of our own, like how bad off we are until it freaking hits us, you know, like, no, I don't want to say how bad off we are, but how bad off we're feeling until it hits us, you know, and, um, it just, when it hit, it just, it just freaking hit. It was in it. It wasn't the first time I recognized the feeling because it wasn't the first time I felt that way. And like you said, you were waking up crying every morning. Well, the first time, the second time, this time in particular, that this, this actually led to Caregiver Chronicles, which is, you know, what happened. But, um, that, that moment I was getting things done. I was still functional because I had to be, because I had to be there for other people. But there was another time in my life where I wasn't getting out of bed till like one, two, three, four o'clock because I didn't have a reason to get out of bed because I didn't want to get out of bed. You know, um, I was alone. I felt very alone and isolated and I would just stay in bed all day. And that was, I wasn't, I wouldn't, didn't necessarily cry, but I just didn't get out of bed sometimes for hours, sometimes even for the whole day, just did not get out of bed. And it wasn't really recognized. It was laziness. Nobody realized that it was like bad depression, you know? So just something to share. Yeah, no, that it, the, the, the devil's in the details. That's why I, I was willing to share mine. And that's why I was curious to know more about yours. I just, I truly think that most people, if, if enough things go sideways or wrong at the same time, I think, I think people can get very desperate. Even you only have to be really desperate and really serious about it for an extraordinarily short period of time. But if you're, if you're, if you're legit serious about it, that can be enough. And you, you said, Well, two things. I mean, one, I think each person kind of knowing their baseline wellness and health is really important because you just can't compare. You say, oh, well, these other people went through all these traumas and they got through it. And it's like, well, they're not you and they're not me. And, and, you know, that's why I have to say, you know, I'm this like motivational speaker and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I have to say, look, if this happened at age 13 and 19 and 40, I have to say that I've had this situation come up. I don't think I'm chemically depressed, but I situationally that when too many things go wrong all at once, I, I, I don't mess with it. Just like a diabetic needs to be careful with their sugar. I'm like, I need to be careful with how stressed out I get and how overwhelmed I get. And I need to make sure I stay way up in that like green zone of wellness. And to be able to say, Hey, I have had problems with this before in a non self judgmental way. It's not lazy. I was suffering, you know, I mean, you were suffering when you were in bed till four, you know, so to go, okay, if this happens, I'm not going to just get mad at myself for being lazy. I'm going to be concerned and loving towards myself because this is a sign that I need care immediately, you know, and figuring out what that means. And so anyhow, so knowing one's own self with lack of judgment, just like we wouldn't say if you were you know, some people are bored with the heart palpitation or whatever. We wouldn't, they wouldn't judge themselves for having that, you know, however, it turns out that we've both experienced concerning levels of depression at episodes of life. You know, why would we judge ourselves for that or, or let other people judge us? You know, I mean, if we've been through it often enough, 
we can say, hey, here's the language to describe what I'm saying, what's happening for myself, like the courage, because you, you also said a really interesting word just now, I said, would you be, you know, my little long winded way of asking you if you were willing to share more details. And you said, I'd be happy to share more details. And I really, it is, it does make us, it can make someone happy. I feel happy that I feel I made it through. I feel, I've had some of the most amazing, fantastic times in my life since that moment. This is all bonus time. That one moment could have gone dark. And every single moment since then that has been so filled with whatever kind of joy and health and accomplishment and helping other people you can feel happy that you've made it through and you can feel happy talking about hard things if the, if there's that option that it's going to help somebody else, which makes us feel powerful. It makes these experiences having been worth it. It gives us wisdom that we're excited and powerful enough to share. We're strong because we made it through and we're strong because we have the ability and the heart and the willingness and the desire to help somebody else. So when you said, I'd, I'd be happy to talk about this, I want to I don't know. Can you see why that just lit me up and felt so similar? Do you? Well, yeah, because it's, it's a relatable, well, I'm, I'm happy again, like you said, I'm happy to talk about it now at the time. I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. Um, I wanted to literally just get through it. You know what I mean? In whatever way that looked like, it took me a long time to be able to discuss it in in this way uh it it took time before i could talk about it with my family even and and despite me having a very supportive family um especially when it comes to mental health is- issues despite my parents when i told them hey i need to go back into counseling them both being like yeah it's you know it's a good thing we'll never discourage anybody even if we don't think it looks bad or looks hard they'd never discourage anyone from counseling and i've decided since then that even when I'm doing well mentally, I'm going to continue my weekly counseling sessions or biweekly counseling sessions because who the hell knows when it's going to go sour, you know what I mean? Or when something is going to happen to trigger that depression again. So before I get there, having a counselor, a support system ready to go, having 980 and, um, 741741 saved in my phone for when I need them. Just, you know, uh, it's, those are just, I don't know. Those are just little those things. Those are rungs in the ladder. That's, that's, that's exactly what I, everything you're saying is exactly what I'm talking about when I say rungs in the ladder. Um, I'm sorry if I, I didn't mean to cut you off if I, if you were having one more idea, but you're, you know, coming back around to like, okay, well, okay, how do we make sure that this is less likely to occur again, you know, and that's this idea of the rungs in a ladder of like, you know, uh, let's get more knowledge, we're more knowledgeable now, and let's get more skillful about it. And so rungs in a ladder is a practical, what I call a practical healing technique, it's meant to be a suicide reduction technique. And it's asking those questions, not and asking them when you're in these periods between low spots. Low spots are hard times to make good plans. So as you've come up and you're like, okay, life has been so worthwhile. Life has been so much more fun. Life has been so valuable. It was scary that I got that close. I'm happy to help myself and others. So at that point, 
we can make these rungs in a ladder plan. And I, I just, I, I like fours. I like things that come in fours, but can I mention the four ideas that people might want to put in that to personalize? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, so a rungs in a ladder could, could be however you want to, you know, put something in your phone, or you might want to do a mural, you might want to do a journal, but it's, it's these questions about, you know, question one is why wouldn't, why would I not want to kill myself? What, why wouldn't I like, what, what would be a lot, what would be a loss about that? How, why, why wouldn't I want to kill, you know, well, my children or my family, or I'm not done yet, or maybe I, you know, why wouldn't I want to give up and to have that really spelled out to lean on when you're feeling like it's hard to see why not? Well, those are the reasons why not. Um, and then the next question would be like, what steps am I willing to take? And you, you've started naming some terrific ones. What steps am I willing to take to prevent myself from getting this despondent and making these kinds of scary thoughts and choices potentially? And then the third element to a, a rungs and a ladder would be like, who am I willing to involve in this decision? Who am I willing to share this? We're sharing. I've never shared this in this much detail either. Like we're sharing it with a lot of people. And then there's our families and maybe our caregivers and maybe our mental health practitioners, maybe someone in our religious environment. I've been willing to share with my closest friends. Like who who am I willing to share that I've really been there and I'm trying to not go there again? And then there's the fourth final question. I mean, you can add as many questions as you want. But the fourth thing I've included is, is urgent personal care. What life changes am I willing to make if I really do feel that pull that that we talk? That's why I wanted more detail. What are those physical? What does it feel like to be that despondent? What does it feel like to be that low? Like we want to know. So we. Before we get there, but certainly as we get there, that's that level four question of, you know, what kind of urgent personal care am I willing to do? especially as caregivers. It means no to them, yes to me. It means it's my turn. It might mean getting away. It's not going to be convenient. If it was convenient, we wouldn't, you know, it might be moving out of a house. It might be moving out of a place, quitting a job. It might be the relationship. It might be something about our own health care. It might be whatever we need to reduce a certain kind of stress that's making us that far out of our mind, you know, like, you know, taking away things that are causing whatever is escalating our stress level that high. And it's adding abundantly, and that's why knowing what feeling better feels like is important. It's it's with great abundance and abandon and a complete lack of guilt or hesitation, we are adding what makes us feel glad we are alive. What makes us feel glad? What, who, where? Do you need to be in nature? Do you need it to be quieter? Do you need to have more free time? Do you need your best friend? What makes you glad you're alive? And we need to just lavishly... Um, Put that into our life and those would be elements of it'll look totally personal per person but those are sort of the general guidelines of of the idea of rungs in a ladder so we don't slide off that bottom rung and miss out on the future that that were uh that might be magical you know our future might be so much better than we could even picture right now yeah exactly and i really like that um you know because the thing is is the answer to all those questions are so personal per person. Like there's no, 
especially like the what what do I need to go forward for me it was having something happy to look forward to that I know that that sounds a little bit like I don't know it just sounds a little crazy but like having something positive to look forward to has always helped me when I'm feeling down um, whether that be a vacation or a girls' night or a date night with my husband or just something when I don't, I always feel like, and I know, and again, I know that this is different for everybody, but I always feel like it's easier to feel depressed when I don't have something to look forward to. So I try to make sure that in my life that I am planning something a bit ahead to look forward to. And even before that thing is over, I, and it might be a little ADHD and this might be overwhelming for some people. So this might not work for you. If you get overwhelmed easy or like, or like overwhelmed by doing things, don't, don't do this, pick something else. But even before that thing ends, I'm like, okay, what is the next thing I'm going to look forward to? Because as soon as the thing ends that, that I'm really excited looking forward to, I get kind of sad and I'm like, oh, I don't know now, you know, and and things also come up in between in life naturally also. So that's just something for me. Do you have something for you that I helps? I mean in, in each of I mean I love that, you know, planning something and figuring out, you know, how far ahead does it need to be? You know, I think we should plan I mean, I would encourage everybody, even as we're listening right this moment and we're sort of, you know, partway through this addressing of a heavy topic to just be like, what are we going to do immediately after the hearing this podcast? You know, you and I ask that of each other and, and any listener to say, what is something immediately after the end of this podcast or even right now while you're hearing it, what is something pleasurable, beneficial? What's something that you want, something that will lift your spirit, something that'll address that you've had the courage to be emotionally open and address these you know, even hearing this is addressing it in yourself. You wouldn't be listening if you weren't curious for yourself or somebody else. So what is something immediate that you can do? And when people can't think of pleasures, I like to go back to the senses. Like when people are just super depressed or they can't think about, they're just at a loss of what would fit into their day, for example. I go back to, well, what, you know, vision, what do you like looking at? You know, sight, smells, hearing, touch. What's the other one? What am I, what am I forgetting? Taste, you know? Yeah. So go to your senses. What are your favorite foods or beverages or feelings in your mouth? Do you like crunchy? Do you like cold? Do you like what's something your body is alive today while you're hearing this, your body is alive right now. You know, what kind of sounds do you like the ocean? Do you like music? Do you like the, do you need to call your best friend and just hear their voice? Do you, you know, what kinds of feelings do you have a favorite fabric? Do you have a favorite temperature? Do you have, uh, you know, what's a way of moving your body that feels good? What's something you can do with your, um, you know, what colors do you like looking at? What images are pretty to you? Can you look at it on your phone? Can you see it in real life? Can you spot your favorite color right now? Like what's your favorite color and just lift your head right now and look around. And can you find something that's your favorite color right this minute? You know, so if we can go to our senses and we'll we'll know, well, what pleasures us in each of these senses? And there's probably something this exact moment that you could do or soon every every day. We need pleasure every day. There's not one day that should go by without 
you know, multiple things, however small they are or however fast you need to do them, we should have multiple pleasurable things to do and look forward to each and every day. And then those bigger ones that you've mentioned. And I think all of that creates this, these rungs in a ladder so that we don't get, uh, we just don't want to feel lousy. We don't want to feel that lousy. Fun is so much, isn't fun so much more fun? Like, don't you have more fun now? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. No, exactly. Fun is, I love fun. And I've always been a fun, like, bubbly, yeah. happy person. But again, that doesn't mean I didn't suffer those dark days. And, yeah. um, you know, on the retreat I was on, someone said that I was a bubble of joy. And mm-hmm. to to say that, but also to recognize that, like, I've had, again, I've had days where, like, that were so dark, like, you know, how, in again, the masking and, well, although I wasn't masking there, but I, I do have joy. I love joy. Um, I want to talk, too, about, like, if you're, if you're a friend of somebody or a family member or what are some signs or something to recognize? Because we talked about recognize the feeling in ourselves. What, how do we recognize this in others? So we can, maybe if someone isn't as self-aware, they're not realizing maybe where they're at or what's, what's a good way of like, if we're just, we feel like somebody's down, what, how can we, what can we do? I mean, again, this is so broad, but it's the perfect kind of question. and. And going into the, uh, the this is part two of our interview. And then last week we had part one. And I hope the people that are listening to part two can can also get curious enough to listen to part one. Because in part one, we talked about, um, oh, my goodness, I'm getting a little stuck right now. We talked about uh, um, how, how do we know when we're feeling you know, when, when we're, we're showing the escalation of signs and we talked about, oh, here we go. We talked about the difference. We use the words mental health and physical health as if they are separate. And then in the first interview, we, I would say, well, are they really? Cause part of why we know we're having mental health struggles is because something physically is happening. So we can watch each other's faces. We can watch whether we're, you know, what's the look in the eyes, what's the look in the voice, is our, you know, our face is going to look a certain way. Our jaw might be tight. We could watch each other's behavior. Wow, they usually answer the phone right away and they're not answering the phone as often. You know, maybe let me check in more often, not think, you know, how do we go lean in? How do we lean in towards getting more information when, the, you know, somebody's on the couch more often? Well, that could be a lot of things. They could be physically ill. They could be grieving. They could be sad. It could just be the fall or the winter. And maybe people need to hibernate more. It's confusing. So when when these signs that could go one way or another are confusing, I think we can lean in for the people we love, just like we're going to lean into ourselves sooner and faster and more aggressively. We are going to aggressively try to not let ourselves get there again. I think we can be aggressive has a negative con we could be more assertive with the people around us with with you know watching knowing knowing each other well watching paying attention what's our baseline way of behaving and and is something about our behavior dropping below that baseline that's showing a sign of concern and and i know we're probably coming to the end of even this second show but there's there's 
people who are saying, I know I'm depressed or I know I'm even so depressed, I'm suicidal. But then there's this huge category. I don't know if it's an official word, but I call it passive suicide. It's it's people who don't see themselves that way or maybe they're not that way yet or people who would actually never physically take an action step that we call suicide. But like you're saying, I was wishing a tree would fall on me like you were wishing you were emotionally at a point where you were saying, I, I don't want to go on right now. And you were wishing for what I would call like a passive suicide. I think we should keep our eyes open with for that in other people as well as ourselves. So that, again, I'm sort of making up the word, but that might be driving rec- recklessly. It might be, you know, overuses and addictions and you know, health related behaviors that are showing I really don't care what happens next to myself. I'm really that upset. It could be um, taking on uh, aggressive or dangerous circumstances as a form of sort of passive suicide. And gender might play a role in this. You know, men might be like, well, I'm not going to call my girlfriend, but I'm going to drive 120 miles an hour when I've had four beers. You know, I mean, it. different people's personality and gender might come into play about you know men we're concerned about in our life versus women in our life might display things differently potentially and then watching our own language and watching what we hear from other people I have a huge red flag if I hear somebody saying things like I don't care they don't say they say I don't care often enough or in the circumstance that looks just immediately I'm like okay let me pay attention to this person and look into that ask about that I wish I I wish I wouldn't wake up even the comment that people make as caregivers so often and people who are just overwhelmed by responsibilities, the statement, this is too much. If someone is saying or feeling this is too much in that day or that moment or that year, or in your case, like that 2020 where everything was going on at once outside of our personal lives, the global life, you know, the news that I think we should take this statement or even feeling it without saying it out loud to anybody, this is too much extraordinarily seriously. Yeah, it's too much. What do I need to change? Now, I need to change something now if I'm feeling like this is too much today or right now. That's urgent. I need to make a change. I don't want to go every day saying this is too much every day, day after day. Does that sound like something you would agree with yeah no all of those all of those are red flags for sure um also like it hurts to care or you you know things like that um those can also be red flags uh there's there's a lot of them out there and i i think it's important that when we even have the slightest suspicion that somebody's acting in a way that's unhealthy or expressing that they're overwhelmed, exhausted, and just mentally like done, that we make sure that we that we show our support for them. And um and again, there's again, there's resources that you can reach out to if you don't know how, you know, how to appropriately go about this, because it's not in in telling somebody to just suck it up, buttercup isn't is not support. I just, I want to make sure. And another thing that is not support. And I just want to share this again, um, telling, telling somebody who's in a depressed state about somebody else and their struggles, and then they have it worse Mm -hmm. is not Mm -hmm. helpful. Stop doing that. 
Don't, don't do that. That's the last thing you can do or the last thing you should do. Don't actually just don't do it at all. It's so important when someone's feeling down that, that you make sure that it's not, you don't bring other people into the situation. You don't compare situations because sometimes it's, you can't like, you can't compare. You just, Hey, I, I know what you're going through sucks. Things suck sometimes. What can I do to help? What do you need? You know, and if they're not sure, they don't know, they don't care. Like you said, if they're like, I don't care, you know, their favorite food is tacos because they're your good friend. Go get them tacos. Just, you know, hey, here's some tacos. Make them tacos. Bring them tacos. Um, I'm using tacos as an example, but, you know, you could do you could do anything like, you know, if someone just showed up at my house with chicken wings, like you had a bad day, here's some chicken wings. It would change the course of my day um, to, to make it the best day ever. But just little, little tiny things like that doesn't even have to be food, but sometimes the food, those, and, and again, this goes to what you were saying, the sensory, what do you like? What do you enjoy? You know, what colors do you like? What feelings do you like? What smells do you like? Just, you know, you can, you can nurture that if you're close to somebody and you're recognizing these signs And then, you know, maybe you can recognize those signs in them as best you can, as best as you can judge someone else's behavior. But that's just a thought. Well, those are, those are really experienced wise words, you know, as a person who's been on both sides of those, you know, you're, you're speaking from both sides of, you know, having been a person who's been there and what did or didn't work for you. There's so you're just speaking so much wisdom and how to break it down, you know, lean in, show that you're caring, you know, don't compare with somebody else. And, and one thing you mentioned is there's really just so many ways to feel like you're going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing that people hesitate. And that's how depressed people get isolated feeling and feeling like they're somehow freakish and feeling like they're beyond connection because people are scared to make the wrong move or the wrong choice or the wrong statement. And there's a ton of things. It's so much easier to say the wrong thing than the right thing. That's legitimate. When people are that upset that you don't always know how they're going to interpret things when they're that sort of, you know, the, the, the boat's upside down and on top of them. And it's so, but you're, but you're, you know, you're giving examples of what not to say is really addressing why people are nervous, but you're, but but go, go in and try because you need to know for yourself, I tried, you know, I think that's, I tried, whether it's, I'm going to try for myself or I'm going to bring those wings or I'm going to, you know, I had a girlfriend go through a, a circumstance that looked too similar to what I'd gone through with my dad and my family and my step family. And, so, you know, her situation was too similar to my own. And I drove 1200 miles to go have like, to go take her out in person. Yeah. And she was like, she, you know, and I, it was right in the middle of COVID and she knew I was really being COVID safe. And I drove three days and I was like, I'm going to, she knew that driving 1200 miles, you know, driving for three days and showing up in front of COVID to be like, I was like, I'm standing here in front of you right now to say, this is the kind of friend I am. And people be like, Oh, why are you doing that? And I'm like, I'm doing that for her, but I'm doing it for me. I'm doing it because I don't want to lose another friend. Yeah. 
You know, you take that extra, make a mistake, go ahead, make a mistake, try something, be wrong, who cares, make a mistake, overdo instead of underdo if you have concern for somebody and do it for yourself to minimize potential regret that you missed an opportunity to go try when it was confusing and hard to try, but you're going to go just go try whatever you can think of is better than not trying at all. Whatever you do that shows caring is better than probably not doing. I don't know if you agree with any of that, but. Oh, a thousand percent. Yes. Um, and, in you know, maybe not everybody can drive across the country, but you can, you can reach out. You can say, Hey, I know you're going through, do you want me to send you, you know, they have, um, there's different programs. You can send things, some flowers, whatever. There's, there's always something you can do to brighten someone's day. And I think, Again, I think that that's just so important just all around. Yeah, it's just, and, and again, I lost, I actually lost a close family friend to suicide. And that was one thing that had crossed my mind when I was in that moment. I know how how, how heartbroken his family was. His family and my family are very, very close. Uh, his parents and my parents were good friends. I was good friends with his sister and his brother. And it was just like, it it was just it just it ripped me apart when i heard that news and it it ripped it broke my family's heart again we were all very close and it was just it was they were people that i thought about in that moment and i think that was a big why i didn't make the decision i was like well i don't want to see them hurt again you know i was like i was like a niece to these people you know what i mean like they they didn't need to lose another person that way so and again, to my parents, this this young man was like a nephew. They didn't need to lose a daughter. Like, you know, and uh, you are somebody, you're always somebody to somebody. And you don't even realize that sometimes you don't know who you've inspired, whose life you've touched just by doing something so small. Um, so just keep that in mind when you're feeling dark. And Margo, I want to just ask you really quick. I want to just, I want to just kind of wrap up now. I hate, I hate ending this conversation, but we have to. And again, I just want to say 988 and 741741. When you call these numbers, nobody's going to be chasing you with butterfly nets, right? And straight jackets. It's not like, it's not like they're going to be locking you off on a psych ward. What does happen? I mean, what does happen when you contacted? those people what just maybe people would be more likely to do it if they know what happens after they make that dialing are, are you willing to it sounds like you tried that one time that you did call them uh honestly i i never called 98 but i did text the 741741 crisis line um you text home to them and they will respond and they go over are you safe right now can you breathe do you, do you need emergency? Like, do you need emergency? Because sometimes you're in a situation where you do. Um, I did not need rescues at my house. You know, is there, is there anything around you that could potentially be unsafe in that moment? They'll instruct you to step away from it. They'll instruct you to breathe, take some breaths. They'll go over coping strategies and techniques with you. They'll try to help you figure out things that that maybe maybe were triggers, and they'll try to help you figure out resources that you can reach out to. And I know when you're in that moment, and you, mo- you almost never, when you're in that moment, you're not going to call your family. You're not going to call your friend. 
it's it's too it's you're just not you're gonna reach out to one of these lines it it would be hard to do that but i would i mean it is hard to talk to the people who know us the most but that's when we talked about the rungs in the ladder like part of my rungs in the ladder uh you know situation is you know why you wouldn't what what are the steps are you willing to take and then the who are you willing to let know that you're making a rungs in the ladder for yourself and then the urgent personal care those were the four stages four steps of rungs in a ladder the who is that i have promised my family and closest friends that i will tell them if i'm feeling that depressed it's scary to talk about it's scary to feel that way but this is yeah. a, I will be, not only would I be hurting myself, I would be breaking a promise to every one of the key people. I promised them I would tell them. Yep. And that's tough and it's emotional. But, yeah. but yeah, I mean, who are you willing to make a promise to? Yep. Exactly. And you, and like you said, you know, you make that promise before you're at that point. Correct. Um, You do it, okay. you do it when you're in and up. Not not when you're in a low. Um, but I do, like I said, I just wanted to remind my audience that, like, it's not going to be, like, they're not going to go lock you up in some psych ward. And there's not going to be people with butterfly nets and straight jackets chasing you down the street. It's not, you know, you know, it's not, that's not what happens. So if they're, just to remove stigma from that, too, because, again, there's, there's so much stigma with this topic. It's, and it's. And a lot of people don't know and they don't reach out for help because they don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, there's that fear too. So um, I want to, I want to thank you so much, Margot, for being here. And I want to ask you real quick, um, what is your favorite form of self-care? Oh, uh, well, going through the senses, uh, um, my favorite color when I'm concerned about something I go and see the color green I go look at the color green that's my like kind of go-to emergency beauty enhancement color as I look for green um my self-care is finding both silence and music I need silence more often than most people seem to and so I have to go find a quiet place that reduces my stress and um and then finding my favorite music sometimes gently that I can control the volume I love um, dancing and being outdoors and being around horses, being around animals, being around animals makes me feel really at peace and super glad to be alive. Like every single minute that I'm, I'm with an animal, especially horses, I'm really glad to be alive. And just, you know, so those are just some of the ones we could, but, you know, I hope each person comes up with their own list, their you know, add things, experiment, ask your friends, what are, what's, look at your photos from your past, look at your photos and videos from your past, where are you smiling, where do you look at peace, where do you look completely in the moment, what's your favorite arts that you like, do you like, you know, painting, do you like, you know, what kind of arts do you like to either do or watch, like, just remind yourself of when, you ask your friends, when did you, when did you see me the happiest, what do you know I enjoy, if you get stuck and can't think of it, remember it yourself. But add to that list and make it a physical list somewhere and share that list with other, you know, if I'm low, help me remember this, help me feel this, help me go do these things again. That's awesome. I love that. And that's, again, that's why we, that's why we ask that question every week on Caregiver Chronicles. What's your favorite self-care? Because 
the answer is always different or usually different. And it's, it just, it's just another tool in a toolbox that someone can use um, if they choose to. And my final question is where can my audience find you for more information? Um, well, and thank you so much, Sarah. My, my uh, website is bodyawareliving.com. And on the bodyawareliving.com website, there's a section that says stay connected by email. And I don't send out very many emails whatsoever, but that's where I can tell people what I'm doing now and next. And uh, I have a podcast, Body Aware Living podcast. People can watch the videos of the podcasts on my YouTube channel, which is also Body Aware Living. And they can also listen to or watch the podcasts in the podcast section of my website or wherever it's in most of the podcast directories. And there's a Facebook group, Body Aware Living Facebook group. And I'm I'm researching and interested in launching a body aware living app. So I'm trying to trying to develop that. That's why I hope people stay in touch in, in some way with me so that I can share really, you know, free and much lower cost options to, to connect and offer wisdom and help to people. That's not just, I do the one-on-one coaching and small group coaching and public events as well, but I, I want people who might not have access to that to have access to help that I could. It's so joyful and so enlivening to feel like you can help people. It's just such a beautiful, fun, happy feeling uh, to make somebody's misery a little bit lighter is just a joy. And um, so thank you for this opportunity, Sarah. I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Margot. Um, again, I appreciate having you on my episode and I know that this is such a dark topic for other people. And one last time, 741-741, you can text home or 988, you can call or text. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Caregiver Chronicles. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. Um, feel free to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast and we'll see you next week.